Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what's up, people? You know that sound it is the Unfiltered Band meets, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. This will officially go down as episode number 142. Going this one bouncing around the room. Hit a bunch of topics, a lot of little things to get to. Drop your comments down below on YouTube or on the uh, Twitter side of things. Get me at Casey Stern. Jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution. Love to hear from you on some of these thoughts, questions, lists, and uh, topic ideas and things that you have as we sit here in the uh, baseball offseason. A lot of other things to touch on and to get to along the way. It's always good to have you. You can jump in on uh, Twitter, as I mentioned, at Casey Stern. Get in the bio and hit up the YouTube channel if you're not already subscribing and getting all the interviews and uh, liking all the videos and all those sorts of things. As always, uh, we are all sorted out, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online, major number one source for your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball. Basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or any game imaginable. Bet Online truly is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the website today or to use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your award. That's betonline.ag where the game starts as we get started here. And I'll start on the baseball side, hit a number of different things today. First of all, uh, you know, as we sit in this kind of midriff, getting ready for it, I'm excited about the WBC this year. And I think a lot of people just pumped to watch some baseball at a high level and, and see that thing get competitive and maybe raise up a notch from where it's been and some of the rosters getting out and all of that. You start to think about kind of the landscape about where we are heading into this season. And, this is truly going to be a year where, as always, we're going to get surprises. And I think the league is always about that. But I think they're fewer and further between this year. You know, I always say this, that, you know, you can expect the unexpected in an MLB season. It's always seemingly that way. There are players that are guaranteed to do X and then all of a sudden Y happens. Or teams that are guaranteed to be great and then it happens the opposite direction. This year, though, it's hard to foresee. And I'm curious what team, and drop a line on Twitter at Casey Sterner, hit me up in the comments on YouTube, what team you think can step into the mix that's on, let's say, as uh, Bruce would say, on the edge of town right now? The American League, clearly the Yankees bringing in Rodon, bringing back Aaron Judge in, in reverse order in terms of importance, Anthony Rizzo, some of the moves that they have made. The Yankees should be a better baseball team. And some of the young players getting better and improving and a Severino being healthy and a Cortez taking the next step and some of those other things advancing them even further. Some of the young talent that they have in terms of on their roster from an everyday basis, they should be a better baseball team. And they would look, we always talk about the Yankees and they have these unreal high expectations clearly. So if they don't win the world series, it's a bust. It's a disappointment. And we look at the way that they played in the series against Houston, et cetera, they had a pretty good season overall, right? Not just Aaron Judge, but the team in terms of, because look, as much as he was the MVP, they won a lot of games. But I think they're a better team. The Houston Astros just won the championship and to me made one of the better moves that we saw in the offseason in the play to go bring in a Jose Abreu. 
And I think you look at, even though they lost to Verlander, the step up that you get from a Christian Javier, some of the young talents in that bullpen continuing to get better, and what we already know about the Astros in terms of their high-level talent, the fact that I think of Pena was just a rookie, Tucker who continues to grow, they're a better baseball team. So the Astros and Yankees, who were the last two standing in the American League, are better teams. They are. The Toronto Blue Jays, I think, got better. And I think they would have gotten better on their own just from their young players taking another year and another step despite expectations that were way too high and advancing the way that that process normally goes as younger athletes and really no greater example of that than Bo Bouchette who last year people getting on three quarters of the way through the season while he's a disappointment, kid's 24 years old, and then he carried the team for six to eight weeks and helped him get into that playoff spot. Seattle, especially with the young pitching that is growing, are going to be a better baseball team than they were last year. And we're talking about just the teams that were in the playoffs so far, right? The, the Central, whether it's the Guardians or the Twins now back with Correa or somehow the White Sox or whoever, I don't think really in, in that league, and, and to a lesser extent, the Cardinals or whoever in the NL Central who we'll get to, but I, I, this is an east, uh, an east West scenario, I think, in both leagues right now when you think about it at the highest level, right? It just is. You got New York, you got Houston, you got Toronto, you got Seattle, and then it's like, okay, we know Tampa Bay going to be pretty good because no matter who they get or lost, it really you don't even have to look at transactions from that standpoint. They're going to continue to behave like the Rays do, overachieve and find ways, right? The Orioles have gotten better, and we saw last year the steps that they took. The Red Sox should be better because last year a disaster, and you know, even though losing Bogarts by keeping Devers and at least getting more depth into that lineup, uh, in terms of, you know, not replacing, you know, Xander with one player, but maybe having more of a deep and, and, you know, a lineup that's got some options to it. The story injury to me is, is, is a big detriment to them being better than they were last year in terms of out of last place, but they should be a more competitive team. Uh, you know, in the West, you know, how good can the angels be? I like some of the moves that they made. I do. I think that, you know, and it was early on in the offseason, but some of the changes the Dodgers made with a Tyler Anderson are, are believable, even at his age. And the three-year $39 million, I think it was, that they paid was actually comparatively to some of the Trevor Cahills and the Matt Harveys and the Julio Tehrans over the years, actually a better bet than the Angels usually have. I mean, they haven't shopped at you know, Barney's or Bloomies. They've gone to Old Navy, but they've gotten the wrong clothes at that store. At least I think they went to the flea market, did a better job they should be a little bit of a better team. And they've got some, you know, certainly when you think about, you know, if they could keep some of their players healthy all year should be a better team. And if they could pitch better and be a little bit better in the bullpen, which they look like they're built to be, you know, who knows, maybe they can be a little bit more competitive, but I think you're looking at clearly Houston, New York, Seattle, Toronto, and a side over here and a side over there. And that's kind of what you got. I mean, really, when you look at it, that that's where you're at in the national league. There are six teams who show up this season with surprises and, and health and, and, and the deadline and, and age and, and decision-making, all those things that could impact where they fit in that one through six. But that seemed to be so solidified that it would be almost hard to believe anybody else breaking into that mix. Let's go through it. The East. The Mets, I think if they had gotten Correa, on paper, you would say, and look, on paper is not where the game is played, and I'm not guaranteeing anything. There's nothing guaranteed on paper anyway, and it doesn't matter because, look, even on paper in terms of win total, Dodgers won 110 games last year, and, and they went home, right? So it doesn't matter. But I think if the Mets get Correa, they're on paper the best team in the National League. They didn't. 
Now I think they're back in the mix where they were. I think because of the Harper injury and him being out for you know a large portion of this year, however long it is, you know the Phillies may end up kind of very similar to last year, as dangerous as they could be at the end of the year. But I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the as much as I love the Trey Turner deal. I've said many times on this podcast it's the best match I saw in the offseason that should be made, and it was between Philadelphia and Turner. I don't know necessarily that we're going to look at that team being better than they were last year until Bryce gets back. I think then we'll truly find out, even though I like what they've done in the bullpen for sure and are deeper and better in the bullpen in Philadelphia now than they've been in years seemingly, and that will be a factor. But I think it's Mets and Braves with the side of Philadelphia, and we'll see them late in the year be a factor. Again, I think that's how the East is. I think in the National League West, you know, look, uh, Xander Bogarts was a big addition. You know, back end of the rotation maybe for San Diego, you know, kind of, you know, a problem. I think, you know, the question of what Fernando Tatis Jr. is, is a question. Is he going to come in and be a motivated superstar who shows beyond the talent, the maturity, and the work ethic you want from somebody who calls himself a superstar as an athlete? I don't know. If he does, I think he's comeback player of the year for sure in the National League. And then I think regardless of whether it's Manny's last year, I think you get a better version of Soto. You probably get the same version of the advanced Manny Machado and the upgraded version of Machado. The front end of the rotation still could pitch. The confidence lever is there. Bo Mello is going to Bo Mello. And I think the Padres are right there battling with the Dodgers. And, and that's a tight division race. But I think clearly the best two teams. So I think you're looking at right now San Diego – L.A., whatever order, Mets, Braves, whatever order, Philadelphia. And then you got to think of the Cardinals because, look, I think you, know, you still got, you know, really perennial MVP candidates in Arenado who returns and in Paul Goldschmidt. I think, you know, the bounce back ability, maybe of Flaherty and the enhanced pitching, you know, some of their young arms stepping up. I think it is capable and possible of doing that. We saw, you know, some of the guys in their lineup certainly – you'll get their first real chance and have big years and add threats in terms of the depth. But now adding in a love you out of your Molina, he's the first ballot hall of famer, but adding a Wilson Contreras improves the depth of the lineup, much better offensive player clearly, and gives you more thump and more slug than you were going to get from Yadi or Molina. So I think the Cardinals offense should be better. I do think the Cubs could be a sleeper factor. I like some of the moves that they made. I think they'd need to get better on the pitching side at the deadline and push it a bit. I'm not sure they feel like as an organization, even if they, you know, kind of outkick their coverage, if you will, if they're going to feel like they're, they're in that spot to do that yet, that's, that's, you know, to be determined, but you know, whoever's in the central, I, I think you're looking at it in that six spot and probably St. Louis, right? So you got the Dodgers, you got a very similar look to last year. I mean, I basically just gave you all the teams that made the playoffs last year and said, hey, it's not going to be any different. And that's usually a stupid thing to do. But where is the difference going to come? Is it coming from the Marlins or the Nationals? No. Is it coming? Do I think this, and I love Craig Council. Do I think it's coming from the Brewers? I just don't. Not buying it. Um, no, they got the two guys at the front end of the rotation. Don't think they can hit enough. And that was an issue last year. Um and the bullpen not as deep as it usually is either. When they had a, a top end hater and a Williams, and now just have one. I, uh, you know, I, I look in the West, and you know Arizona, and I love Tori Lavello, still an improving team. The Giants made some nice moves, even though they didn't get Correa or or Aaron or Arson Judge, right? But I, I just I, I'm not buying necessarily that they're going to take that next step. So it's kind of hard to believe that outside of really what did I name eleven teams that anybody else can play. Now there could be within those eleven surprises and disappointments, and but there's a better chance I think one of those teams has injuries and disappointments and isn't as good, right? Like let's say Scherzer, Verlander have injury issues and. 
it's a down year for a P. I mean, look, a couple of things that all of a sudden the Mets could be off the reservation. A couple of things with the young pitching, you know, isn't there this year like it was last year with Atlanta, let's say, right? A couple of things, let's say, with, with the Padres in terms of maybe Tatis gets it, right? You could find things that maybe drop those teams out of that mix, but I don't know if anybody else bounced it in. They just don't. I'm curious, have or have nots for me going into 2023? How do you see it? What team do you think could surprise? Drop it in the YouTube comments or hit me up at uh, Casey Stern on Twitter. Uh, one other thing I want to hit on the baseball side today, and that's about these ballots for the Hall of Fame. Look, everybody got their own thoughts about who's a Hall of Famer and what a Hall of Famer is, all right? There are a couple of things to me that have always driven me crazy about the way the Hall of Fame is handled. One of them, for sure, is that we're counting how many guys you can put on the ballot. You can only have 10. So if there's 17 guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, you can only have 10, right? Why? Because we want to back it up and have a log jam so every year we can have a great ceremony and have a great conversation and a debate. And a debate. I had a longtime voter for the Hall of Fame tell me on the air on my show a few years ago on Sirius XM, that he actually voted with the length of the ceremony in mind. Now, I've covered many of those, okay? I, I did it for about eight, nine years and was there. There were days where it rained, it was miserable. There were days it was like 95 degrees and it was horrific sitting out there sweating and there's no shade. And, and the, for those fans, it's terrible. For the writers sitting out there in the stands, the family members, terrible, trying to shade their eyes and, and not have the meat sweats everywhere. It, it's brutal, right? I've been there. I've seen it, okay? But I had somebody tell me they literally voted that way because they wanted to shorten the ceremony. That's dumb. I mean, that takes away from the Hall of Fame. And then you get a situation where you get guys like Jeff Kent, who now are getting bumps in voting. Jeff Kent, whether you like the guy or not, and most people do not, and that's been an issue, the guy is a second baseman. You look at all the history and the statistics, whether you think, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I do. Now, and I'll get to another point of that, so hold that thought in a second. But whether you think he's a Hall of Famer or not, right, whether you do or you don't, he deserved a higher percentage than he was getting, but the percentage he was getting, and you could see it now that the Hall of Fame ballot has, what would you say? We It's opened up, right? I mean, it's dumb. It's ridiculous, right? So now there's not 10, 10, 10 everywhere. Look how many votes have been bumped up for Jeff Kent or for Billy Wagner, right? Both who I think belong in the Hall of Fame. Now let's get to that. What I asked you to hold on to with Kent getting in the Hall of Fame is – you know, I've had people tell me in the past, and I've gone through all the statistics for years. I'm not going to do it here. I've done it for plenty of times with guys like Jeff Kent and said he's a Hall of Famer, and here's why. Look, he's not a shoe in right? He's not a first ballot guy, and I hate that, but in the way that it's done. Ain't not a getting, I'm not saying he should get 100%, right? But which, by the way, is another thing that's dumb. Tom Seaver, Mike Schmidt, Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn. I watch guys that covered Hall of Fame to get 97, 98, 96. I, who are the four, you know, five dumbasses who didn't think he belonged in? They weren't. They're were putting in votes for their friend's neighbor or the guy who gave him an interview. I mean, I hate the way that is handled, right? It's, a, it's, it's dumb. Now, to the point of what many voters have told me over the years and friends of mine, and they're right. Hey, Casey, look, I get it. But you're going overboard because all they need is 75%. They don't need 100. And you're right. And you're going overboard because that blank ballot, which I'll get to, or that guy who put his friend's neighbor, and I had a guy once put BJ Serhoff on there instead of somebody who belonged as his 10th spot on the ballot because he thought, like, you're voting for an American Idol. And when we saw, what was it, Jennifer Hudson or whoever, I think came in sixth or something like that, did everybody thought somebody else, oh, they're going to vote for her. So when I call, I use my vote for somebody who needs it. 
And and that's the way they were handling the 10th spot. Uh, the other guys are going to get in. So I'm putting BJ Surhoff. Yeah, I had somebody you know t- explain to me why they were putting in you know votes for guys who who they enjoyed covering. Like this isn't this isn't a a popularity contest, but it is. It's why Jeff Kent's percentages have been what they've been, right? But to me, the bumps in the percentages and all of that is because we're sitting there locking up to 10. It, it's the stupidest thing ever. Now, look, yeah, I agree. If you got three, four years where nobody gets in, what the hell are you going to do with the ceremony? I don't care what you do. I don't care if you invite all the Hall of Famers there and you have a round table on television. I don't care if you play tic-tac-toe. You can't be handling the Hall of Fame based on what's going to happen at the ceremony in July. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Can't. Or the length of it. Just can't do that. Can't. The numbers are going to be what they're going to be one-offs regardless. You're going to have a year where there's 14. You have a year that that just happens, right? You want to have three days of ceremonies, three days of TV coverage. Look at it that way. Make money. I mean, come on. But one of the reasons it's so backed up is because on the rare year where there are a bunch of guys, we got other guys who should be Hall of Famers that aren't in because of that, and it's just done. But I want to get back to what I was just holding over with the Jeff Kent scenario, okay? When I have said and gone through all the numbers and the machinations of why a guy like Jeff Kent is a Hall of Famer, right? And people are like, well, he's not. And it's fine. The reason more often that he's not is Jeff Kent Kent can't be in the Hall of Fame because he's not Joe Morgan or Roberto Alomar. Burt Blylevin, right, or Mike Messina can't be, and I'm just throwing out examples, can't be in the Hall of Fame because they're not Pedro or Greg Maddox. The Hall of Fame as is is the top less than 1% to ever play in the major leagues. That is a fact. Go look it up. It is less than 1% of the players who have ever made it to the major league level. Now, I want you to think about what percent of major leaguers, right? Okay? What percent of baseball players? You play Little League? I played Little League for years. My son played Little League. He's not going to the major leagues, right? He's not going to minors. Not. Not playing college. He didn't go to the high school team. Not trying to get on my my board, but I'm just saying, right? How many guys go out there and play little league ball as kids, then get to JV and varsity? Some play college. How many that make it to college make it to the the pros at all and get drafted? How many don't get drafted? How many that get drafted never see it past single A or never get past double A or never get past triple A? And think about what percentage of humans and people that actually even were good at baseball, let's say college and beyond, even make it to the major leagues. And now it's the top less than 1% that even play in the major leagues. Why do I point that out? It's not like we got 1,500 guys in the Hall of Fame. It's in the Hall of Very Good. There are levels of the Hall of Fame. There are levels of dynasties. There are levels of championship teams. There are levels of MVPs. There are levels of franchise players. There are levels of aces. There are levels of rotations. There are levels of lineups. There are levels of TV markets. There's levels of everything. I mean, I mean, a number two starter. Look, Tom Glavin won 300 games. He was really never the ace of the Braves, right? John Smoltz at times was pitching game three. I mean, he can't go because two guys who went before him. I mean, think about that. Oh, is he not an ace because he wasn't the ro- he wasn't the rotation guy? Well, Greg Maddox was in front of him. It's like Fred McGriff, who for years and, and congrats, we, we forgot about the crime dog. Why? Because he wasn't Albert Pools. 
That why? Tim Raines. Why didn't he make it to the Hall of Fame all those years? Because he wasn't Ricky Henderson. Well, morons, no one is Ricky Henderson. There were two leagues. He was the other guy, but he's not Ricky. No, he's not Ricky. But if you had just Ricky and just Pedro and just Greg Maddox and just seven, eight other guys, nobody else get into the damn hall. That simple. Nobody else can go to the Hall of Fame. So whether it's Billy Wagner or Jeff Kent or Scott Rowland or however you see or Shep or the guys that you are maybe voting for or not voting for, there are going to be discussions about everything. But I don't want to hear about this. He not that guy could not everyone is Hank Aaron or Willie Mays. We'd have 12 guys in the Hall of Fame if that's what you want. And you think it's that or the Hall of Very Good. That's fine. That is, that is not a reason. It, it's just not. The reason you put somebody in the hall is because you would say no one who else is not in the hall. Now, that is a way to look at it. It's not that guy. But some of those have been handled terribly. Lou Whitaker got like 2% was off the ballot. How the hell's that? I don't think Carlos Delgado's a Hall of Famer, but he's on the ballot like twice because of another thing. Well, he didn't get at least 5%, right? Well, if I only got 10 and I'm already leaving guys off the ballot who now like Roland and others are jumping way up because there's more room. It's an open ballot, right? Whatever that is, right? More space. I mean, to it's stupid. Hall of Fame should be, is he a Hall of Fame or he's not a Hall of Fame? Is he worthy of the Hall of Fame? He's not worthy of the Hall of Fame. That's the only question to ask. What the hell else is there? But now you got guys who, oh, they didn't make the 5% that you're supposed to make, right? Because, well, ha hey, geniuses, how the hell are they supposed to make that? So because they were the 11th guy and the top 10 were Hall of Famers, they're only on it once? How stupid is that? Now, look, Jim Edmonds, never a Hall of Famer for me. I think Andrew Jones is. And I'll get to that in a second. But Jim Edmonds, not a Hall of Famer for me. But I, I, I always thought he dove when he never needed to and was, was never the best center fielder. in the Like, not a Hall of Famer for me. Very good player. But I'm bringing him up as an example because I remember being on the air saying, how the hell is this guy on the ballot? Like one time he got like 2%. That's ridiculous. Well, there were a lot of other guys. But they shouldn't have been there because the ballot's backed up because we're maximizing a number of 10. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. Andrew Jones, just on the quick here. Every To me, peers no peers. I am not going to. I love to cook. I love to cook. I'm not going to tell a chef how to cook. I'm going to ask a chef how to cook, right? All right? I ask over the years, every center fielder, and I know some real good ones that played at a high level in this game and have interviewed and talked on and off the air over the last 20 years with many. Every center fielder that played when Andrew Jones played, every single one I've asked, and this is during the Griffey time, during it, right? When I've asked, who's the best defensive center fielder you ever played with or against? Every single one of them I asked that know the craft, that are the craft. It doesn't take them, and I mean this, and it's always stood out to me. It doesn't take them more than a second, literally, before they say Andrew Jones. There's, they don't say Ken Griffey Jr. They don't say Torrey Hunter. The Torrey Hunters would say Andrew Jones. They all say Andrew Jones. That means something to me. At that position, if you're a shortstop, and I felt this way about Vizquel, if you're a shortstop, if you're a center fielder, I feel this way about Yadier Molina, who to me is a no-brainer. 
If you are up the middle on defense in this sport, playing those positions, and you are the best defensive in the game. Now, do I want you to hit 190 with four homers every year? No, but Andrew Jones was far good enough. More than good enough. The blank ballots. The blank ballots, to me, one of the problems I've always had with the Hall of Fame, and I had several arguments over the years with Jeff Idelson at the time and many different guys. Remember when Dale Petrosky was there? Like, I've been doing interviews with these guys for years. And I always said the same thing. If the Hall of Fame is the most prestigious building entity that there is in sports. And it is. And I love the other sports, as you know. It is. How are we not having the most prestigious people vote on it? And that, to me, has always meant the top and most prestigious and worthy broadcasters, and they're not. Has meant, for me, a, a segment of Hall of Famers, and they're not. And I have felt that for a long time. There's nothing against the baseball writers. But if you are a writer who had three guys on a ballot last year, and I'm not naming the names, but these are all real things that happened this year. You can go look them up on Twitter. You're a writer who had three guys last year and now has none and puts out an article that you post on your own Twitter to try and get, and get a ton of views explaining why in the hell you now took three guys that you had on last year off and put nobody. You're a disgrace. You're a damn joke. And you don't deserve a vote for the most prestigious group of athletes that we have in sports. If you put in a blank ballot because you are making some statement, some grand case, some soapbox, and we've seen that over the years, you do not belong in this prestigious group. If you are looking at these lists and don't think any of these guys are Hall of Famers, you're an idiot and you don't belong in this group. The guys who put the blank ballots should have their rights revoked. Well, they have tenure. There are rules. We can't do that. Why? You can tell us that there's only 10. You could tell us that first ballot's supposed to matter. You could tell us, you know, which stats to look at. You could tell us a million different things. What percentage you have to have. Who's eligible. You can't tell us what writers are eligible to vote. You can't change that. You can't have a committee for that. You got a committee that got Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. You can't get a committee for this. That's crap. Crap. Want to hit a couple of other things real quick on the way out that are not baseball. Number one, and I am a Giant fan, but kudos to Daniel Jones. I am a huge believer in the stories of perseverance and guys who are told they can't do, and, and ladies, who are told that they can't do something or aren't good enough, whose belief is so strong that they are able to somehow withstand all of that and to do it with class and then to find a way to prove those naysayers. And to me, Daniel Jones, what he has gone through at his time in New York and in the media and in the press, and even from me as a fan, I mean, nobody wants, you know, look, I'm, I'm a Nick fan too. I didn't get any Duke guy I wanted. You know, I wanted Zion over RJ and I, I, you know, I didn't want Daniel Jones, right? What he has done, the work he has put in, the, and certainly Brian Dable and all that belongs in there too. I mean, we're not taking any of that away. But the work he has done, the fortitude he has, and how good he's become, put some respect on that man's name. The other thing I wanted to say, and I may do some videos on UFC moving forward. A lot of people don't know this, but I, I am a huge MMA man. I, I have been since really before the Ultimate Fighter season one, and even that finale when everybody became one, and for many, many years. 
and I'm, you know, hugely into it and I, I love it and love discussing it. And I may do that at some point here. I, I just wanted to say briefly that to me, you know, I have seen in baseball when agents and teams have made players look bad. I've even seen players get booed by their own fan bases for years when they never were offered a contract and the fans believe that they turned down millions of dollars. And those players are better than me because where I would want you to know the truth, they basically just said gone and, and said, you know, Hey, look, it doesn't matter who cares and gone on and, and taken all those boos and those lumps. Right. Francis Nuganu. um, you go watch that that interview if you're a UFC fan with uh, my dude who I've known. Geez, I worked with Ariel 17 years ago. Um, known him a long time. But the interview that he did with Ariel Hawani and the way that the UFC tried to, to paint Francis after what happened, they should be ashamed of themselves. It's sad for the sport. I wanted to see Nagano Jones as much as anybody. I'm happy to see John Jones back. But you know, to sit there and put that on this dude and act like he was afraid to fight John Jones when clearly, whether the reasons are valid or not, the reasons were admirable and certainly understandable. I thought that was a uh, shade that, that wasn't worthy from an organization that sometimes, as much as I love the UFC, uh, they get in the wrong side of that. Uh, always be on the right side of things here. Get on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern. Um, you know, uh, fight for and believe in the things and the people that you care about. Keep doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, try and remember that the the only way through the storm is through the storm. And there's something better for you on the other side. And I hope the best for all of you. And I'll see you next time for episode number 143. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.